the leader of the GDs and the leaders of the BDs, they, they talking back and forth and jaw jacking at each other. And then uh, GD gang leader said, man, I tell you what we do. Why don't we just cut them in half? You take half and we take half. From Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago, I'm Timothy Gregory, and this is the Unshackled Podcast, sharing true stories of faith that make you face yourself and think. Today's episode, Samson. Before we tell you what happened to the kid they were contemplating, well, cutting in half, Let's go back a ways. The BDs and the GDs referred to stand for Chicago street gangs named Black Disciples and Gangster Disciples. But these are not your mother's disciples. Instead of Simon Peter, Matthew, and John, these disciples included G Money, Pookie, and Ray Ray. We were going back, literally, to see how Samson Green, a former gangster disciple, got to the very different place he is today. We were driving in his SUV back to the places of his childhood. My Honda Civic seemed a silly option for Samson, who at 6'6", 330 pounds, could barely fit in his own car. His namesake was not lost on me. It's only fitting that his first position with the gangster disciples was chief of security. We were heading back to his old neighborhood in South Chicago, a place called Inglewood. At one time, and to some degree still, one of the most dangerous places in all of the country to live. Or die. In 2015, Spike Lee made a movie setting it in Inglewood and called it Chirac, a controversial mashup of the place names Chicago and Iraq. To hear Samson speak about it reminded me of the Wild West, especially when he talked about his grandmother. She carried two pistols, a 38 and, a, and I think it was a 25 automatic. She would use them and, and on you if, if you offended her in any way or you crossed her or you messed with her children. She would shoot, talk later. In a way, it really was the Wild West. And just like you have cowboys in the West, in Inglewood, you have gangs. I didn't join gang right away, but I was always around them. At that time, you had the Black P-Stone Rangers, L. Rookins, High Supreme Gangsters. But I was a little boy, man. I, you know, I was fascinated with all of that stuff. What? Why do you think it fascinated you? I didn't have any older brothers. Well, my friend uh, Quentin and Lef- Leffy, they had, they had two older brothers. They treated me like a little brother, and I wanted that. It was always a, seemed like a camaraderie that you shared with them. So it, you, you felt like you belonged. Felt like I belonged to something. Samson would also gain feelings of camaraderie from another more legitimate activity, sports. You know, I began to play basketball in high school. I was really enjoying it. I graduated Joliet East High School and came back to Chicago and started attending DePaul University. But I didn't receive a scholarship. I was trying to walk on to play basketball there, but uh, things just didn't work out. And I had some things going on with my feet, so I couldn't 
walked for uh, about six months and he told me I couldn't play basketball for a year for, and, and that just ruined everything for me. Directionless, Samson went to live with his mom on Low Avenue in the heart of Inglewood. By this time, we pulled up to the side street where he lived during some of his gangster days. This is Inglewood, yeah. Me as a gangster disciple, this neighborhood from 63rd to 67th, from the Dan Ryan to uh, Ashland was my area. And it's been a long time since I've been back over here. Where I'm pulling up to now, my mother lived here maybe 17, 18 years in this building called the Low Terrace. You might notice in the background the low hum of car engine. We kept it running. Seemed like a good idea given the location. Being back there sparked memories in Samson. See that guy in the red there? We were all standing there, about 10, 15 of us. This van pulls up right where we're sitting now and uh, started yelling stuff out of the window. Just so happened the guy that we call the governor, that means he was over the whole city. He was the gov. He pulled his pistol and I pulled mine just because he seen the van. And then he started running his way and I'm running with him. I'm not sure, but I got my gun out and just started shooting at the van. And then it, it pulled off. And then later on that evening... He bounces from story to story, all with the same theme of violence and hopelessness. He finally lands on the story about the kid that the two gang leaders were contemplating cutting in half. VDs and GDs got together, and it had to have been about 12, 1,300 of them, about 13, 1,400 of us. You know what? I wanted to see if we can find the church where all of the gang members met up at. They met up at a church? Yeah. <laughs> it'd been nice somebody come out and shared the gospel with us but it was kind of like a kind of run down and we just used it I didn't know that I was going to actually end up in church well we serve a God of surprises yes yes yeah this is the the area man we, we must have flooded these streets with about two three thousand people man it was really about this 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 young, this one young kid who was selling drugs for GDs turned around and uh, messed up the money, but he flipped and became a BD because he was afraid that the GDs was going to whoop him for having sold you know sold the drugs and, and spent the money. He had some relatives that were BDs and thought they were going to you know cover him from ever being you know violated. But that didn't stop anything, because when we met, he's standing there, the leader of the GDs and the leaders of the BDs, they, they talking back and forth and jaw jacking at each other. And then uh, GD gang leader said, man, I tell you what we do. Why don't we just cut them in half? You take half and we take half. Now, who knows if they were ever serious about cutting him in half, but they were serious. Later on, they, they end up shooting the kid. If it's true that history repeats itself, Samson knew he was in trouble. Uh, I had did the same thing. I had got some drugs, man, and uh, I sold them, but I kept the money. And uh, they came looking for their money, and I, I, I ain't have it. And But, I, you know, I call myself, ain't nothing finna happen to me, man. They know who I am. I ain't, they ain't finna do nothing, but you can never be bigger than the mob. 
The gangster disciple leaders call for a meeting. In attendance are about six to seven hundred GDs. Now at this point, Samson is 28 years old, rather long in the tooth to be a gang member. He's now a regent, meaning he oversees a particular geographical area, but like he said, you can never be bigger than the mob. That meeting was set up so that he can take me in that room with a few other guys and, 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 whoop, my, and whoop my behind. He, he, he telling the guys, pick out, you know, some, some guys that can, you know, get with me. They picked out about seven guys. And then, and then he said, hey, Big G, come with me. That's what they call me. Big G, come, come go with me. So I'm like, okay. I said, maybe we're going to handle something, you know. <laughs> but it was me the whole time. They ain't said nothing yet. Once inside this small room, the gang leader and Samson go back and forth for a bit about the money Samson owes. After which, it's determined Big G has a big beatdown coming his way. So now I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get in the defensive uh, position to fight everybody in that room, but I'm thinking it's about 600 guys outside this room. If I go to, you know, go crazy on these guys, them guys from the mob may have been here. And so he says, you know what that means, Fool Nelson, five minutes, no cover up. Now, Fool Nelson is an illegal wrestling move, which is executed from behind and very effective at holding and keeping you from using your arms while also exposing your face. So basically, closed fist punches to the face for five minutes without the ability to cover up. Five minutes is an eternity. Yeah. They start whooping me, man, and uh, first, you know, I, I, you know, I was so tensed up, mad and angry that I let myself get caught up in this situation in the first place because I, I could have gave them their money, and I didn't. And uh, I'm sitting there thinking like, man, what am I doing? What am I doing? Because in all the time that I had been a gangster disciple, I've never been violated. Ain't nobody ever put their hands on me. You know, I'm 28 years old. I ain't got no business doing this in the first place. And when they got through, my face was all disfigured. When they get through, you know, they're like, man, you know you're going to still get that money. Samson's face eventually did heal, but by then the question was out. Man, what am I doing? What am I doing? Look at you, man. You suppose that went to school, played basketball, got a future, moved on in your life, and look where you at. You out here in these streets, hustling, getting beat on. Like, man, you gotta do something else with your life. I'm trying to think of what, you know, what else I could do because I have no skills. I'm, I'm not a carpenter. I'm not a, a welder. And I wanted to go and just try to find regular work, you know, go find a job. But it just after you live that life and you have fast money and you're doing that kind of thing, you, you feel like you just can't go to ordinary. And uh, man, that was that was something terrible, man, you know, to, to feel like you don't know where you're at in life. This feeling of hopelessness was compounded by an arrest for cocaine drug possession. After a stint in the county jail, Samson was released back to a life of aimless wandering. Thinking a change of scenery would fix things, he planned a bus trip to Ohio to live with his sister. Plus, some guys from his past were after him, looking for some retribution. At that time, I had both my hands had been broken uh, from jumping, jumping a guy, you know, 
hitting him in his head with my fist and broke both my hands. Found myself at the Greyhound bus station. And, uh, missed that bus three days in a row, man. While waiting for a fourth time to catch the bus, Samson was approached by a stranger. The stranger had overheard Samson on the phone say he had nowhere to go. The man suggested he go to Pacific Garden Mission, a rescue mission in the South Loop of Chicago. Back in the day, I used to drive, you know, catch the Green Line train that would go downtown and it would go past Pacific Garden Mission. You could look from the train and see Pacific Garden Mission and you would see all those, the homeless men and women standing out there. And I'm like, man, I ain't gonna never go in there. <laughs> but you know what they say. Never say never. I think I should just stay here in Chicago no matter what happened. I just, either they kill me, I kill them. You know, I'm tired, I, I didn't want to run no more. And when this guy offered to take me to Pacific Guard Mission, I was shocked, man, because, you know, why you want to help me, you know? Hmm. There's got to be some kind of setup or something. As it turned out, the rescue mission was true to its name. Samson Green needed a rescue. But that was the very place uh, that Christ had drawn me to so that, you know, the Bible says in John chapter 6 and verse 44, it says, no man can come to me except the Father were sent me, draw him, and I'll raise him up in the last day. And uh, my situation of life drew me to Jesus and into that Pacific Garden mission for a nice sleep, but I found eternity. And I found eternity in the person of Jesus Christ through the gospel. And uh, I got saved at Pacific Garden mission. And uh, my life has never been the same. Just like the Samson in the Bible, who was physically strong, he was morally weak. But God used Samson's failures and mistakes to demonstrate his sovereign power. Man, that was my prayer, that uh, God would give me boldness to proclaim his word and that he would bring my children back to me. And he did all that. He did everything I asked him. Everything I ever asked the Lord, he, he done for me. And uh, all I want to do is proclaim his name. That's all I, I, I want to do. God answered Samson Green's prayer because Pastor Samson Green now proclaims God's name on a regular basis as the director of the men's program at Pacific Garden Mission, the same place he would pass by on the train and scoff at. We do indeed serve a God of surprises. So until next time on the Unshackled Podcast, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory.